podcast we chat to what can only be described as a wonder woman she is an award-winning radio presenter speech and language therapist she is an mc and public speaker a tedx talker a ted talker she is a musician (laughs) that has played all across northern ireland fantastic comedian and like myself and sean heels from tyrone sure what more could you want go on tron (laughs) it is the immensely talented amer mcguire amer how the hell are you serious list (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm great thank you so much i just feel like i've just been witness to like the new belfast comedy duo it's just a oh, such yeah. beautiful introduction it's so natural um <laughs> yeah i i am good i didn't know you were both from troll i should have known uh from those accents but um oh. i don't remember <laughs> yeah i had a conversation with two other troll people at once in the big smoke of belfast so it's very very nice to be here that was a lovely introduction so so thanks very much for having me boys it's a pleasure. And a pleasure to have you on. Um, I suppose that we just get stuck in. Um, so just briefly, sort of where did it all sort of begin? So you would like to tell everybody sort of who you are and sort of what do you do yourself? Because realistically, there's a lot of people <laughs> in here, Amor. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, so as as you guys said, I'm Amor McGuire and I have kind of a couple of different jobs, um, which are kind of all little bits and pieces of one full made up job, um, which is kind of, I guess, performer, um, entertainer-ish person. Uh, so I do all those things you said. So I, I was a speech and language therapist. That's what I, I'm, I'm trained as. And I did that for years up until um, January there. And I left my Left my, you know, stable NHS job mid-world pandemic, which is an incredibly <laughs> sensible thing to do, uh, to, to pursue comedy. Um, so, yeah, I kind of thought that was my career. While I was doing that, I started to get into this world that I'd never heard of before, which was science communication, which is a job and is a thing that I didn't know existed before I did it. Um, and then kind of from that, one thing led to another and... Um, I started working with BBC doing some radio shows and then from that you know I've always been a musician and I would kind of be singing singing my songs and stuff out and about and people come up to me after and say god that you know that love song was really funny and I was like wasn't meant to be funny um <laughs> so then I started kind of I was like this is about the worst moment of my life but but I'm glad I'm glad you got a laugh out of it but uh from that I kind of started to write songs about the science stuff I was doing um and they were naturally kind of a little bit funny it doesn't sound like it songs about science but they were and then it kind of progressed to people asking me to write comedy songs and perform at comedy things and then people started saying I was a comedian and every time I was like no sorry I would no not a comedian um but then I kind of just went with it so I've kind of just accumulated these random job titles uh by accident um because I never really envisioned doing any of these things apart from apart from the music so yeah I've kind of got this career that's a an accident but like a really happy accident I guess Okay. Well, without a shadow of a doubt, without mm-hmm. a, a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Before we sort of get stuck into re- really everything, I want to ask, how did you get into like playing guitar, first of all? I always had like a real passion for music and I always wanted to, always wanted to play. And my big sister went to piano lessons. Uh, <laughs> I kind of heard her practicing and was like, she kind of sucks at that. Like, I think I would do a better <laughs> job. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be my thing because it's definitely not hers. So uh, I kind of begged to go to piano lessons and I was too young. But my mom, I think if I rem- I'm remembering correctly, kind of really made her case and, you know, saying, you know, this child's very musical and blah, blah, please let her go. So so I went to piano lessons. Um, 
very quickly kind of took over my sister and she quit and then I kept going um and I I just I just loved it and whenever I was how did I get into guitar whenever I was in must have been about P7 I always kind of thought guitar was super cool but the boy on my street who was you know my, my good friend growing up he got a guitar and I remember going over to his house and I remember him playing like uh smells like teen spirit you know those four chords really really badly awfully. uh and I just remember being in primary school and being like oh my god you are the cool like this you're is so, cool. so you're so cool this is incredible and he had all these big brothers and I think maybe some of them play guitar and I was like whoa I want to do that so then I kind of you know you make your 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 confirmation uh in p7 well half of us make our confirmation in p7 and I realized you know it's gonna be my chance to get a guitar so I kind of made made a good profit on that as we, and, all do. <laughs> as, we all, as we all do and see the whole day I remember being like this is going to be totally worth it when I've got this guitar. <laughs> and I went to Argus and bought the crappest purple electric cheapest guitar and started to learn how to play it. And I remember kind of first song weirdly that I learned how to play. I learned to play two songs. First one was Angels by Robbie Williams. Uh, and I just thought, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I'm such a boss. And the second one was do that. There she goes, that little bit. Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> Really made that sound like the exorcist but it sounds a little bit like that um, <laughs> there she goes yeah, yeah, yeah. there she goes uh, there she goes again so i was learning these two songs um, and i just thought it was the coolest thing ever i think after that my mom sent me to a couple of lessons um with this old man who lived near us who like i remember i went into his house and he would press play on a tape and he would smoke and he would just play the chords and i would just copy him and play the chords along with him um so i went to his house a couple of times and i mean after that i, I was just obsessed with guitar after that so um and then i became you know i was always into writing stories when i was wee, writing songs writing poems and then that kind of all came about at the same time what about like influences and in, like in your in your like music as well um, so obviously, you know, you progressed into like some really, really funny, funny comedy songs. <laughs> but just in terms of even like just musically, like who was your like influence? Who did you listen to growing up? Who did I listen? I wouldn't like to say the people I listened to growing <laughs> up were my influences because it'd be like Westlife and uh, Britney and all those where I kind of, you know, absolutely loved that kind of thing. But I guess when I was a teenager, I just liked anything. I mean, Glenn Hansard was always like my big, big love. Um particularly the soundtrack of his, the, the movie once when it came out. Anything Glenn Hansard, I mean, I still love Glenn Hansard. I was listening to Glenn Hansard before I came on here. Um, so he's, I really love him, but I don't I don't feel like I really, it sounds like an odd thing to say, because I know musicians always say I was greatly influenced by this person right. and that person, but I've never really felt that, that I've been particularly influenced by someone. I've just felt there is a wide variety of people whose music I really adore. None of it sounds like the music that I write. I just happen to really love theirs. And do you know whenever I'm writing, I just I just write stuff that sounds like stuff that I want to play and that it's fun to play. Do you know what I mean? So there's so so many that I like. Obviously like Glenn Hansard as I said, growing up I always love Kings of Leon, Muse, um, M I M, like I, I like Kendrick Lamar, like I like anything uh anything good i love britney i love pop <laughs> so so i literally there's such a spectrum of things that i like but um the one thing that i do listen, remember listening to quite a bit was my mum. you know so fancy whenever we started to get a couple of cds and 
remember one of the first ones that she got was Neil Diamond. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember us cruising around Straban, listening to Neil Diamond, like, song, song. Like, so, like, and that's not totally unlike the vibe of my song. So that's probably infiltrated into my mind somewhere. You know, definitely in the, the kind of, those mainstream kind of poppy, folksy kind of vibe but apart from that i wouldn't say that i'm influenced but there is a lot of music that i just absolutely adore do you know was there a want when you were growing up to sort of like get me like make your own music and put it out there and sort of make a proper go of it that way and yeah yeah like that growing up yourself totally but the problem so the problem with me was always that like i loved writing music Mm -hmm. i loved it Uh, and kind of writing was always really my strength and it still is i guess um, but performing wasn't at all. Like I, I had really, really bad stage fright. I still have bad stage fright. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I was younger, like I remember primary school and stuff, like if there had been, do you know, like how you, how you, you know, with your friends, I don't know if you would have done this, but you would have played games and you all would have been different bands and you would have, like I would have been in my bedroom. Like I would have thought like I was amazing, but then in front of it, you know, in front of anybody, nothing would have come out. It would have been so shy. But I remember kind of, I had this group that I was really comfortable with, which was, the girls from my street, one of which was my sister, and these two other girls. And I kind of encouraged them gently to be in a band with me. So we were really, <laughs> young, really young. First of all, we were called the Red Devils because I supported Man United. And then uh, we, changed oh, our names. <laughs> we changed our names to the Cool Kids, both with K's because, you know, that's just how cool we were. And I, I wrote us songs and I gave out the parts and I, you know, told them what harmonies to do and all this. And I could do it with them, but kind of outside that very safe, you know, your plan group. I found that part really difficult. Um, and when I got a bit older, I was in a band, you know, um, when I was like 16, 17, 18. Um, I was like the lead singer, I was like guitar, and I wrote the songs, wrote the music and everything. But I did find the performing part really, really difficult. Um, and then as I continued to get older, I kind of started playing myself and writing the songs and I always loved writing songs but those times whenever it came to actually getting on stage I always found that a little bit hard so I don't know if if that would have gotten my way or uh or what but yeah I I I did do it before I started doing the comedy music around Belfast I was doing you know just playing as I like to call it normal music um (laughs) but but as I said like there's not that much of a line between my normal music and my my comedy music you know so um yeah it was always something something I wanted to do I remember my mum saying to me one time you know you're such a good songwriter you know why don't you you know be the songwriter um and I was like but I would I would love to be the performer too but I probably don't have that 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 side of me but with the comedy that's kind of grown I guess you know you did write a song called Belfast and it is a beautiful, beautiful tune. It, did that come from like, was it living up here maybe? Or like, I don't know, did you, you know, did you do uni in, in, in Belfast or what was the crack there? Yeah, so I I moved up to Belfast for, for uni uh, and then never left, I guess. And and I, like, I love Belfast. So that song that I did, I had, I got on to um, Oh Yeah Centre, which are just brilliant. Oh, nice. Do this programme. They're amazing. They're so, so good. So they do this programme every year, Scratch My Progress, and they pick like four acts who are like whatever up and coming acts in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And they like mentor them, nurture them, um, give them opportunities and things like that. So one year they'd pick me to be one of the acts. So, um, and that's when I was, you know, a little bit younger just doing the music. Um, so I had written that song Belfast just about my time in Belfast and how much I loved it and stuff and then 
recorded it in Start Together Studios with Rocky O'Reilly, who is great and who I really loved um, doing that with. So, yeah, that was just kind of an ode to, like, the city that I moved to and just absolutely fell in love with because before uni I had never really been in Belfast you know I was there I was there once to see Westlife whenever I was in P6 <laughs> but apart from apart from that I was never here and I came up and thought god you know I really love this place and that song is kind of typical I guess of of um a lot of the songs that that I write so yeah speaking of that one trip up to see Westlife I mean I feel like we can all agree oh right? no oh no side what's note, going here side note, side note. <laughs> um as all from like relatively middle of nowhere Tyrone Belfast, mm-hmm. you were like six or seven to do the Christmas shopping or see the lights turned on by the Twinnies or something was incredibly <laughs> bigger. Did it shrink at some <laughs> stage or what <laughs> happened? <laughs> Matt, see that, see that time that I came up seriously and, and like literally went to the Odyssey, like got my wee Westlife blue cowboy hat, had a wee look around, screamed a wee bit and then went home again. Like I thought the Odyssey was Belfast and I was like, <laughs> oh my god i was like this is so futuristic this is amazing this is incredible i didn't even venture into you know into the city so um yeah it is quite different to to how i remember it um but yeah i just like it's super cool i love it you know i don't know what that says about tron but yeah i absolutely (laughs) absolutely love it (laughs) (laughs) you might as well be donegal do you know what i mean like where where, where exactly are you two because you're we're Cool Island. You're not. Direction. Oh, uh, I only really learned how to say that recently because I found Cool, <laughs> cool this- Island and someone was like, it's Cool Island. I was like, yeah. could you write that down? And I was not. <laughs> it's spelt. But yeah, Straban is, uh, I feel like Straban should be the capital of Toronto. You know, big speak. That's a big, big speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's a great place. It's an impressive place. So I'll be petitioning for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do want to ask you though. Obviously, you know, you moved in from you know playing guitar and singing tunes and you know maybe just music or songs to you know writing comedy and musical comedy. Like, when did you realize that you were funny? Because you are very fucking funny. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. I don't know, like, it's kind of weird because I feel like all the comedians that I know mm. who are very funny or not that funny, I feel like they have all have this thing in common where they've always wanted to be a comedian. Right. And, I mean, do you know Bo Burnham, the uh, musical comedian? He's, yeah. he's an incredible musical comedian. He's American. He kind of came to fame on, on YouTube, like when YouTube was massive. And he has this song called Art is Dead. And it's kind of a song about how he feels uh, quite bad about the fact that, you know, people like him have killed art, which isn't true because he's incredible and very intelligent. But he's got this line in it. And it's like, you know, it's about how the kid at the party who's screaming for attention, you know, whenever they get that attention, they're going to be excused for it because they're going to grow up to be a comedian or an actor and people are going to give them that attention. Okay. And I always listen. I like that's one of my favorite songs. And I listen to that and be like, I could imagine a lot of people uh, who stand on stage being like that, but that is literally the opposite of me. Like I would have been at a party and be like, nobody look at, like, <laughs> don't look at me. Like I, I don't want any, I don't want any attention. So it's kind of weird because like I do feel, I know I said earlier, I'm in this by accident, but I, I especially feel like the comedy side of it is is by accident. Um, and I kind of know like in my friendship group and things, no matter what friendship groups and things that would have been, like people would, you know, you know, in the friendship group, people say like, oh, you're the funny, funny person in the friendship group. Like, you know, and you're like, you're basically just saying that I'm not the attractive one, but you know, I'm the funny one and you give me something. <laughs> like, 
people have always kind of said that, or people always said, "Oh, you're very witty, or you're very quick, or whatever." Um, but like, I kind of think. Is that what you say about me? Well, that you're the, the, you're the funny one. You doesn't need to be empowered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't think of it either. I'm just like, oh my god, light bulb fucking moment. <laughs> to- totally, because it's like in every group, there's a funny one. So I guess people, you know, would have said that to me, or would have said, "Oh, you've got such a quirky sense of humor, or you're like such a dry sense of humor, or whatever." And I do think that's a very Northern Ireland thing, like Anna Serrano thing. If everyone Serrano has a really good sense of humor, so I had never really thought about it apart from. Do you know if people are like describe yourself? Like, what would you say? And like, you're like gorgeous, stunning, all these things. But like, you would usually be like, I'm funny. Like, I'm definitely funny. So you kind of know you're funny. Okay. But like, if you had said like, do you want to be a comedian? I would have been like, hell no. Like, who the hell? Why would you want to be a comedian? Like, who would that would be hell? It'd be torture. But then I started to do these talks, like these science talks. And like, it was the same as the songs. People coming up to me after my normal songs about heartbreak and devastation. And people would be like, it's just so funny. Something so funny about that. And it would be the same about the science talks. People would be like, that's just so funny. Even if I was doing one that wasn't funny. Mm. Um, so people just started being like, hey, you're funny on stage. You're funny. And, you know, it's, you know, it's great that you do comedy and, and that kind of thing. So I never really decided to be a comedian, I guess. I want to say, or I want to also bring up the fact that you sold out uh, in 2019 at the Edinburgh Fringe with um, Hilarious Humans. Um, now, firstly, before before we even just get, get into that, how did it feel to be on such like a massive stage? The Edinburgh Fringe Festival is like world renowned, do you know what I mean? And mm. you were just maybe coming into your own at that stage. So, and, it, and it sold out. Like, so like, how did that feel like? That was the weirdest thing ever, right? So basically, basically, I went to the French for the crack, right? And um, I had seen that the, I mean, I don't know if I, if, if, if I should say that I was applying for funding for the crack, but I mean, I won't anyway. So, so there was like, We're here now. <laughs> I saw this thing. So I had just, you know, decided that, you know, I'm, I'm some kind of musician or some kind of creative, but I'm something anyway. And I saw that um, the Arts Council were, um, had like a round of funding and I was like god I wonder if I would be eligible for that um given my total unknownness so I just was like well sure if you don't ask you don't get and I said to myself people have been saying to me you know these science songs that you're doing are really funny uh these science talks you're doing are really funny people are starting to say would you come to this thing as a comedian or would you perform at this event like businesses and stuff are starting would you come to this conference and like host it for us and things so i was like maybe i should like actually try to be a comedian so i wonder if i could apply for that to like put on a comedy show or something and then if i get it i'll try and write a comedy show and then i'll do it but i was pretty sure that they were going to be like who the hell's that? No, no. What's going on here? So, <laughs> so, exactly. So I was like, well, where where do comedians do comedy shows? And I was like, I think they do them in Edinburgh. So I was like looking up the Edinburgh Fringe and all because like I've never been and like I didn't. I'm not even someone who like I wouldn't even go on the comedy shows just because uh, I don't know why. And I sent it off and I never heard anything for ages. And I was like. I'm just not going to tell anyone about that. Like, I didn't tell anyone that I applied for it because I was like, it's so embarrassing that people are going to think like that I think that I'm a comedian. Like, oh, that's, and I'm not, that's really embarrassing. Uh-huh. And I got this, then I got this big pack on the post and it was like, um, congratulations on your funding. It's been approved. For, and I was like, oh my God, now I actually have to go. Like, I actually have to go to and, and do a show. And I had never done 
like a solo show or anything at this point. So I was like, right, well, I better, I better write one. So I had kind of been doing like the science talks and I had done a, like a few big ones at that point. Like I'd done a couple of the TEDx talks and things. And some of them were like science comedy. Like I did one in Manchester and it was like huge. And there was, <laughs> it was hilarious by the way as well. <laughs> like, Thank you. <laughs> like, it was, re- it was really good. And like, I am so, I just feel like I'm so dozy because I just rocked up and there was like, 2,000 people there or something or more than that and I was just like this wee idiot and then I went on and I was standing talking to this girl and I was like second last and I was all there imagine they're putting me on second last like they're putting me on second last but you're like I, you know they're gonna be disappointed in all this and she was like the girl the main girl I had a Game of Thrones and I, did, I didn't know because I'd never watched it before <laughs> and I was pure chatting her like she was my best friend and I was all there are you pure shitting yourself like I am I'm nervous too and I was here and she was just like just standing chilling and I was like this like so my, I said my brother after because Obviously, I didn't get to see her talk, but someone else was all the way out to get out of Game of Thrones and I sent my brother and he was like, oh, my God. Um, so I had kind of done all these things, but it's like I, I feel like I just turn up places and then like I don't really have an idea that it's like an important thing. Do you know what I mean? And I just stand like sing a song like we idiot. So I had done big things, but it hadn't really registered to me that there were big things. So I was like, God. I have to write this show. So I kind of gathered up all the songs, all the comedy songs that I had written you know, for myself, for the crack. Um, I kind of started to put them into a logical show and like started to get posters and all this here. Like, I was mortified. I had to go into the wee mom's side queens and ask him to print my posters. And I was so mortified. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, that's you. And I was like, I know, shut up, don't tell anybody. I'm, I'm so, like, I'm broke to the bone about this. And I was like, well, I have to do it now. And do you know, whenever like, you're so far into something that you just have to do it. You've well, you, can't get out, like. <laughs> you can't you can't get out. And then obviously when when you get the funding from them, you have to post about it online. So I posted this status to be like, oh so like you know so grateful to get this funding. I'm going to Edinburgh French. All these people commenting on see the next see that for the next few months whenever I saw people they were like, here's you going to the French, here's you going to the French, here's you and I was like every time someone said it, it made me more anxious about going to the French. Mm-hmm. So I was like a nervous wreck about it, but it was grand and then I did like a preview show of the Black Box in Belfast. Huh? Um, my first yeah, kind of show. Brilliant. brilliant. I, I love it. It was meant to be in the wee room. And I was really nervous, like thinking that maybe my mom would go, maybe one of my brother. Like I was like, like nobody's going to come and see me because like I, I basically don't exist. Like nobody knows me. But they rang me and they were like, we're going, we have to move you to the other room because all the tickets are bought. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And then the tickets for the bigger room had sold out really quick and they were saying oh there's people there's people looking to get more tickets and all this here people and I was like this is so weird and that see that show that night actually gave me so much confidence because it was before I went Uh and everybody had a really good time and kind of everyone was posting about it on Twitter and things and I was like this is kind of it's nearly like that was the go-ahead for me to be like oh yes I can say I'm a comedian now because I was in this room and these people were all at my show and and they said it was funny do you know so Yeah. yeah it was great so then I went to um went to Edinburgh and it was just it was nerve-wracking because you have to stand out and give flyers to people you know and like that's my idea of hell (laughs) you know like oh and being like so embarrassing being like here will you come to my show (laughs) you know like will you come see me I swear I'm really funny and like my friends were there like giving out but they're so confident they're like oh you have to come like she's so brilliant she's so that and I was like don't be don't oversell it like don't say it's, don't say it's that good like just say it's okay so it was really weird like every day would start in the morning there'd be like maybe one person who pre-bought a ticket and then every day the whole place was just full and I was like what the hell and it was really nice because like my my mom and brother 
my mom's friend Christine came uh, like a few days in, so then they were on flyer and duty, and there was people turning up being like, "Your mother gave me the wee flyer," so I thought I thought she seemed like good crack, so I thought I would come, and I was like, "This this is class," and then like the longer we went, no, there's just because I was doing my show for a week maybe. And people just kept coming and they got to the last day and I was like, this is, it's been sold out every day. Like, it was actually unbelievable because I had this panic that each day there would be about one or two people. And I had this real nightmare for like months before that what if no one turns up? Do I still do the show? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do I still do the show for the side woman? Like, like you know what? And that was a real like anxiety that I was having. So I was just like, it was amazing. And it was totally worth it. Um, and the venue was saying this because it was like, wasn't a known venue or anything. They were like, what the hell are you giving people in the streets? Because we've never had this. Yeah. We've never had shows sold out. And we've never had shows, you know, where, where people are coming in off the streets and all this here and talking. And I was like, well, that's good. Maybe it's like, I don't know, Lucky Irish or something. That's what we were all saying on the <laughs> <Yeah>. streets. Um, <laughs> and that seemed to be really helping with people, you know, if, if you threw in, you know, that you were you were Irish, they were like, oh, all oh, of Irish, really good sense of humor. And that did seem to encourage them. So was your mom yeah. promising all of Scotland pints? <laughs> if you come and see my daughter, I'll get you wee pint, no ball. It's not just straight out. She, <laughs> she, pro- she probably was. And I could imagine her because my mom's so polite and all. Like, I could imagine her because see most of the people were flyers huh? like loads of them were like really cocky and got up being like you have to go see this like like not about my show obviously but like it's the best thing you've ever seen your life this is incredible this is amazing because you pay people to flyer for you but it's obviously yeah. people who are very confident but yeah. i didn't pay anybody to flyer for me because i'm hashtag poor so <laughs> my, here's my mom my mom instead was like sorry can i bother you just for a wee my wee daughter's doing a show so the two days that she was flying for me i think she had a very a very good technique you know but that was that was the worst bit about it but it, it, it did go it did go well and it was kind of i felt so weird coming home being like what the hell i, I did a show at edinburgh friends does does this mean that i'm a comedian now do you know speaking of did you get many more comedy gigs in then so obviously friends is august 2019 and everything sort of shut down in march did you get to take the show about home at all or so yeah, so I, I got home and then was like, I'm just gonna relax for a while now now I've done it, I need to like decompress. Um and that was fine. But then I was like, Oh, I should like I should try and do something again. So so I would do quite a lot of like interval comedy acts for um the companies or conferences or business and all, you know, because it is fr- friendly to everyone, like you can have it at a, a conference at two in the afternoon. A lot of times they do want comedians, but it's hard it's hard if someone's comedy is a wee bit more on the age because it's not that appropriate for for that kind of thing. So it was busy enough doing that kind of thing. And then I thought, God, I should put on um nearly like a homecoming type show because I was very aware that like I'd written the show. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. It was the first big set of songs that I'd written. So maybe like 10, 11 songs, but only the people in the black box that night and the people in Edinburgh who were at the show saw it, people at home, apart from that, hadn't really seen it. So I decided, and I was looking for venues, which was really hard because I wanted a venue where you could bring your own drink. So it would be like a big night out. So I, huh. I didn't want it to be like, I wanted everyone to just have a big night out um, and just be nice and relaxed and chill and stuff. So settled on Strand Cinema. My friend David, who is David Mead, who does like, um, he's... He's, his title, I think he's like a mentalist, but he's he, his stuff is very funny. Like to me, he's, you know, the funniest person in Northern Ireland. 
but he does um, tours and shows and things, and I just think he's so, so funny. And he's really kind and lovely, and he's like always been super supportive of me. And he was there the night I did my first talk, actually, and he was basically the person who told me when I was really anxious, you know, why stop get on the stage like you're going to be great and I didn't even know him at that point so I've just always really loved him so he was so nice and he was like oh, I'll do the support for it and it'll be an amazing night and all this so it was such a good night and it, it sold out really quick as well like I announced it maybe three weeks before the date because I couldn't get a, a date anywhere because of the, <laughs> the the you know you know being able to bring in a carry out with you so it was about three weeks before and it sold out so quickly and it was amazing and so he did this class like half an hour like of all his tricks and all this, this comedy and everything and then I did the we had a break and then I did the show after that and it was a really rowdy show um but it, <laughs> it was really good it was so so brilliant um and then after that obviously what did I do I did loads of stuff I you know all the all that other kind of stuff that I do where I'm still doing comedy but it's not my specific shows and um and like February, I went to went to Poland and did like a couple of talks, and then I was kind of all about the place, doing loads of things, and then kind of lockdown hit, yeah. mm-hmm. and that and that was it, you know. <laughs> I suppose as we said at the start, you're an endlessly talented lady, and I suppose <laughs> the, the the stuff you could keep going during the lockdown was everything else you did, the science, the radio, the podcasting. So you evidently love your science. Was that mm. a passion from school? from youth or on discovery channel one day and be like it's class <laughs> <laughs> oh god no i i hated it in school actually i was uh like anti-science was not my thing i think i liked it in primary school um until you had to learn proper science and then i didn't like it at all but mm. uh no school i mean I, I was very academic in school but my subjects were like english music um psychology all, all those other things and so I was very into music I was very into writing and things and I was very into sports and the one thing I was not into was science like I hated it that was so boring it was not for me did not like it um and I was quite good at it Do you know I did like I did well in science but I just I just found it dull Do you know it's not creative the way music is or English is I thought it wasn't enjoyable mm-hmm. so no, it wasn't for me after GCSE. I was like, not, I'm not doing that again. Um, I, I did keep psychology on for a level, but nothing else I did was sciencey. And then I kind of just fell in love with that more as an adult. Um, because because I, I applied for I applied for a, a degree in speech language therapy and thought it was like you know teaching kids with lisps and things. And then turned up and the first class was like right guys let's get going in this neurology class then we'll do our anatomy and I was like I have made a terrible mistake um and I (laughs) I kind of just was like the more I learned about it being applicable to real life because in school you know you're doing chemistry and things you're like this is not relevant to me at all whereas when I was learning about it I was learning about it in terms of how we communicate and how humans have developed and 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 things like that and I was like god this is actually like this is really interesting this is amazing and I really loved the anatomy side of it. And then I, I went to Queens after that and did a master's in clinical anatomy, which is like all the, the clinically and, and surgically relevant anatomy. And it's kind of, it was a lot of practicals and, and dissections and things like that. And that kind of made me love it even more, I guess. And and now I'm doing, um, I'm doing another master's now, but in, in research of kind of biological sciences. So I've kind of, 
I've kind of fallen in love with it, but it took me a while, do you know? Yeah, but I mean... You know, there's only 24 hours in the day. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Should tell, should tell myself that. People say that to me all the time. And I was like, but I, I feel like a lot of the time I don't actually do that much, but, but yeah. <laughs> well, your science and your love of science has sort of um, led you into doing the, the TEDx talks. And I watched your one in Manchester and it was sort of, was it about love? It was hilarious. Yeah. It was yes, great. yeah, yeah. It was about love, yeah. Yeah, and like, so where do you sort of come up with the ideas for those things? Like, I do try and think of something relatable and I try and think of, you know, what is a way that would have caught my attention for science in school? So I thought of all the reasons I didn't like it. And I didn't like the topics and I didn't like how boring it was and I didn't like how much it lacked creativity and I thought okay so how can I put those things into science so that people like me because people who are watching her already in the science will likely enjoy it anyway but, but what about people like me who didn't enjoy it people like me that you're missing out in this whole batch of people who could be amazing at science if you just show them that it can be creative and, and things like that so I was trying to appeal to that kind of person so the first talk ever I did, actually, I had entered, like, before that love talk, I had entered a science communication competition. And I kind of entered it because I was um, sort of flicking through Twitter and saw about it and kind of um, thought this will be a distraction from my studies for a while. And you had to make a video. And, and, and I was very, I always had this hang up that I couldn't do public speaking and was too shy and all this. So if you got through this, competition and you got like a public speaking workshop and I thought god that'll be good um so I entered it and you had to come up with a topic and I talked about my master's my dissertation was um what's the difference in humans and apes why can't they talk and we can't because we're essentially the same you know like you know 98 point whatever percent the same so why can we do it? so I was interested in that so I talked about that but it was in like a really comedic way so I got through that I got through that competition um and then I kind of turned up on the night of the competition which was the thing David Mead was hosting and I had asked my family which of these topics do you think I should talk about? And it was like science of kissing was one of my ideas. So I, I try to think of all things that I found interesting. Uh, obviously I was in uni at the time, so science of kissing was number one. Uh, science of uh, dancing, you know, we're like, oh, science of kissing sounds really funny. So I was like, cool. So I wrote this talk and got up in the night, this competition. I was like this wee weirdo. Everyone else was like consultants in the Royal, like lecturers and all this. Right. And I got up and I all these other things. Yes, and they're all much older than me, and they're all men, apart from one woman who was an exchange student from America. So because she was from America, I was like, wow, you must be so smart. Um, so <laughs> I kind of got up and did my talk all about like the science of kissing and about how you want to be fancy someone and why you want to kiss them and what happens in your body and all this here. And then after, I was like, you know, pretty like chuffed myself because it went well. And then each person kind of got up to talk and you know they were talking about really like quantum physics someone told this really devastating boy story of this little boy had cancer and, all, and I was like oh my god I really I've pitched this wrong like I've really really pitched it wrong um, <laughs> and I was just in the back of the room being like somebody kill me like this is the worst thing I've ever done uh, but it went really well and it was a competition and I won and then I kind of went on from that and then they kind of said to me when they brought me up on stage this is great now you have to go to Northern Ireland you have to go to London to a theatre and represent Northern Ireland in the UK final and I was like 
what do you mean? Um, <laughs> I didn't worry about this. <laughs> so I kind of, like, there's, a, there's actually a photo of me checking my pulse on stage because I thought I was going to faint. I thought I was going to collapse because it was just, it was just like a wreck. Um, and then from that, I tried to pick other topics that were related. So did a talk on the science of flirting, did a talk on the science of love, but it was all about that kind of make it relatable. What would I want to hear? You know, I'm trying to appeal to the people who might think science is boring like I did and I'm trying to get them to see no you know it can be funny and it can be and it's not just for a a particular type of person as well so that's kind of where those um relatable topics and people always say to me about the comedy that I do I mean I call it comedy it's not really comedy it's just me telling stories but you know they always say like it's so relatable and I'm like great you know because that's you know things that I can relate to are what make me laugh so you know just on that, and I think we'll get on to probably again here when we chat about your podcast and your radio stuff as well. But you touched on it there, storytelling and telling stories. Is that like you think the through line in everything you do, even maybe the speech therapy work as well, and your music and the comedy? Is that really something important in you know, storytelling and communication? Totally, yes, yeah, yeah. It's all so it's all it's all communication. Like no matter that's what I say. No matter what I do, like if it's comedy or the science communication. Or like I do communication workshops for universities and, and companies and things like that. Um, or if it's radio presenting, whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's all communication, um, which is totally a skill I think you can learn because I, I, I had to learn how to be effective at it, I guess. Um, and kind of, I think storytelling comes with that. Um, so I think that I, I might not have had the the great verbal ability to tell stories as, as a kid things purely because of shyness but I, I was always great at writing stories and things and you know um and I always really enjoyed that and I do think here that people do have a bit of a gift for storytelling um and I remember my mom would tell me you know like oh my, my grandma would go to people's houses and he would rhyme off these kind of stories and poems and all that so I do think that's kind of part of our part of our culture but I I, I do love storytelling even whenever you're you're in northern ireland like and people are talking to each other and telling each other the crack like it's all very story based yeah you know and that and that's what's that's what's funny you know you know i would find it very hard to get up on a stage and tell these kind of pre-prepared very stilted jokes yeah um because that wouldn't make me laugh you know whereas if someone's being themselves and they're just talking and, and they're 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 quite funny anyway that's the kind of thing that i enjoy you know yeah you are an award-winning radio presenter twice over right not just once mm-hmm. not just once not just <laughs> recognized once for something great they done but recognized twice again similar to the edinburgh thing but like how did that feel you know to get the awards and people to say like the shows that you make uh, or made were really really good yeah it's just i don't know everything feels weird like i don't know how else to describe it because it's this whole thing where I think everything feels weirder to me because I didn't really mean it, Do you know, like I, I didn't really go after it, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not being precious about that as in like, oh, people, please bring me opportunities. I just mean, like, I feel really, really lucky that things have fallen how I feel that they're maybe supposed to fall, if that makes sense. Um and with the radio thing, like I had just been doing these science talks and things and kind of getting, I guess, a little bit noticed for them. And this really nice guy from BBC just said, oh, my God, like I love your science stuff. And maybe we should make some radio shows together. Like people, you know, a few people have been telling me about you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I can always have this thing where I'm like, 
okay, well, I'll try it. Like, why not? You know, why not? And like, I always have this thing where I'm like, well, like, why can't I do it? Like, if that person can do it, like, well, why, why not me? Like, why can't I give it a go or whatever? Like, so that's how the, the radio stuff came about. And so we made these shows, but the thing, I think the kind of secret to them was that it was very much me. Like I was very interested in what we were talking about. And if we were doing interviews, I was like, if I was saying, oh my God, like this blow my mind, like this is totally amazing. Like I meant it, do you know? So <laughs> we were going into interviews and said, the guy was saying, you know, I know you haven't done this before and, you know, just, you know, try to react naturally, blah, 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 and all this. But like we were going to do all the stuff that I just thought was so cool. And like, if I had have just been there as a viewer, I would have been like, oh my God, like this is amazing. Like I would listen to this show, do you know? So it was really fun and I think that helped. And there were really nice that show that I got those uh, two awards for, um, it was really nice because like there was a lot me and me and the the brilliant guy Owen McFadden who who made them together. I feel like there was a lot of us in them, so he had a lot of you know cool geeky interests in different sciences, just as like a popular science interested guy and I had a lot of interest in it as well but there's also little, other little touches and things like um he got me to write and record and perform a theme tune for every series that we did and all these cool little things and we just both absolutely loved it and I remember whenever he called me one day and he's like oh like we're like nominated for these two awards and I was like is this a joke like, <laughs> like okay and he's like oh one's like for you being like the newcomer presenter and like one's for the for the show you know for and I was like great and he was like oh so we get to go to Kilkenny and I was like oh cool like we get to go party in Kilkenny and <laughs> so, <laughs> like, exactly and I remember going down and like I remember it all to my mom like I was like don't expect like I'm not gonna win. like all the radio shows were here like I'm just here for the crack and then whenever they were like Emer Maguire I was like oh I was like that's you and I was like sorry okay like what and I was just like this is so weird because I felt like all I had done was like have a really good time doing something that was really fun like it what like it wasn't even work even though we did work so hard on them and we were felt we, we'd seen so much of each other and you know like I was just like this is such a weird feeling it's like you're being rewarded for you know having fun so it was really good and I was really proud and things but I was like shouldn't he give this to someone who's like an actual presenter because <laughs> I'm just like you know I don't know if this is for me but uh yeah it was it was really really cool and um yeah I loved it made, made the night even better because I was like I'm the kind of person who's like I'm just happy to be here like you know just invite just invite me I like I'll turn up but um no I was I was really 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 delighted and then they were obviously they won the second thing then and I was like this is just this is just too weird now because you know I feel like I hadn't done anything, but yeah, it was great. My mind's kind of blown by these things, you know, because I'm just like, it's so weird because it's, it's just me. And I just feel like, I guess, every other millennial who feels like they just are, you know, are just here, but don't you know what we're doing. Do you know? So. You're very humble, Emer, we must say. On a, you're, <laughs> like, you're very, very humble. You mm-hmm. know? And evidence that even further, we go to the next <laughs> item in the catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's the year of the ox at the minute, right? But... Yeah, I was just waiting for that reaction. <laughs> he didn't know. Year, the, sorry, the, the year of the ox. It's the year of the ox, apparently. But much more Lovely. importantly, last year was it? It was the year of the periodic table. Uh huh. Yep. I see. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, I'm like. <laughs> I, I was like, see, you said this is the year of the ox. I was like, 
this is like either a really cool random factor or like this is gonna be the weirdest segue ever. Oh, it, it was the latter. It was most certainly the latter. Option um, two. And to commemorate said year of the periodic table, you did a podcast series with National Museums. Elementary engineer. How was that? How did that come about? And was that good crack as well? Or it's kind of cool because we were thinking we were thinking of uh names and the, the guy who you know from the museum said kind of said what about this name and i was like that's literally the one name i've written in my notes that i think could work um that or or in her element um which have gone up to gone on to call my next stand-up show but anyway um yes so basically so i've done some you know because i do the science communication i've done work with the ulster museum before so i kind of have done all these different bits and pieces of work with all these different people and sometimes there's a science and tech focus and i would do things for this science festivals and, and some of those things are hosted in the ulster museum um so so yes so i have worked with them before so they got a, a new lovely guy called aaron ward and and he had contacted me and said hey we're kind of thinking of um doing something cool like maybe like a podcast or whatever yes like i'll do it whatever yeah i'll do it love podcasts um and he was saying it's the year of the periodic table. Could we do something around that? And like, I'm not, chemistry's not my thing. I'm not into chemistry, but I'm into cool science stories and interesting things. So we kind of talked about how we could do this six part series and, you know, let's go for like the really cool side of science. And I was like, can we talk about radioactivity? And can we talk about this? Can we talk about that? And they've got like a, an expert there um, called um, Mike and we just kind of talked about how to set the podcast up, how to structure it. And, and we just made this really cool series and it was really informative and, and kind of laid back and, and fun. And we had these great guests and things and we did different, you know, different topics. The radioactivity was my favorite one. It's just so fascinating and, and a bit dark and things, but we also did ones on, cause I wanted it to be a bit like not off putting to people who aren't scientists. So we like did one on art and how it was related to the to elements of the periodic table and all this did one on treasure and everything so yeah that was that was cool and it was lovely because i liked being kind of you know that in, in kind of co-control of a of a podcast and um yeah that got really great feedback as well so um it was fun and and i loved it and that's something that i want to do a lot more of Fair play. Fair play. Brilliant. are you working on any thing similar at the minute yeah so i'm working on a couple of podcasty things um before the crack during lockdown i actually put out like a pilot episode of a podcast called millennial versus mom um <laughs> which was like <laughs> which is me and my ma i don't i don't say this ever about anything that i do but people should go and listen to that because it's genuinely funny um and it was just this idea that i have for a podcast where you know with such different views of things where we go on we talk a tiny bit about ourselves and then we launch into this quiz and i ask her millennial questions and she asked me mum questions and see the things that we both did not know like it was so funny so i'm hoping to make a few more of those it, it was kind of halted because of lockdown but i put out one episode and oh my god the feedback about it was great and um, so that's one thing but then the other thing that i'm more seriously working on that i don't think i've mentioned to anybody is i'm working a podcast series called educating emer so it was kind of it was kind of like an idea that i've had for a couple of years for a podcast and i you know i have this thing like where i love learning and i love learning like cool facts weird facts whatever whether it's science history um and i wanted to take like a topic every week and educate myself like on literally every aspect of it and then make the findings into a podcast episode and call it educating Neymar. Um it's kind of goes educate myself and then educate other people along with me who have the same interest and that kind of thing. So 
myself and Owen have recorded the first mini series of six episodes and we have um like we've done some incredible interviews for it like one of the episodes we wanted the first one to be about laughter obviously talking about a bit about me being a comedian a bit of one of my shows in it but then there's a great interview that I've done with Tim McGarry for it um because I just love him I think he's hilarious and then we kind of talked to people at Queens about what happens where we laugh we we talked to this woman Sophie Scott who's like the, the big researcher in laughter who did this incredible TED talk and um she's really well known and stuff so we we have all these kind of episodes ready to go. So we're kind of just waiting to put that out and putting the the finishing touches on it. But that's something that I'm hoping that we can kind of keep going long-term. And it is, it is in the, it's in, it's almost in the format that we kind of did the science show in, uh, and that it's kind of our interest in those kind of topics that, you know, mean quite a lot to us and that are very everyday and some of it's a science just because that's what's behind some things but some of it'll be history some of it'll be here do you want to hear this absolutely wild story about this really cool thing so yeah it's literally literally everything and anything so I, I am really looking forward to that coming out and is there is there a timeline or scale or when that is hitting you? I, th- I think uh only like it to come out as soon as possible um but but I am hoping maybe in the next month or two that we'll we'll get that out yeah so so i'm looking forward to it and what one of it not to obviously um give too much of a way that nobody else listened to but (laughs) one of the things we did was kind of about how um how you react to things and and uh how how, that episode on laughter how you you know how you how your body reacts when you laugh and we went to this lab and they kind of strapped me up and put all these things on me and kind of measured my body's response to laughter and and made me say all these stupid things and 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 even stuff like that we're kind of doing those practical things and we just wanted to be kind of like a really enjoyable listen for people so yeah so i'm really excited for that to come out actually as are we yeah fantastic but as well, <laughs> question i have for you we've talked about your sort of presence in the comedy scene and playing the fringe and uh, i think you're playing the ulster hall towards the end of this year as yeah is it and maybe 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 you've heard this question before is it as a woman in the comedy scene do you think it's important like representation in Belfast and stuff because I think there's a lot of male comedians around the northern Irish scene yeah this is always a hard question to answer it's not a hard question to answer but it's it's an interesting question um because I have not been in the comedy scene for that long but what but, but but the time that I have been in it's usually all boys. Oh, there yeah. might be a couple of girls here or there, but I mean, for the things I go to, it's all boys. Um, if I'm interviewed, it's all boys. You two, from where I'm sitting, not to assume, but both look like boys, you know, like, you know <laughs> no matter what I go <laughs> to. If I go to, a, don't worry, if I go to a science thing, it's all boys. If I'm hosting an event for a company, it's usually all boys, you know. So I don't know. It's, it's really hard to answer because... It's like, is it because there aren't, I don't know if it's because there aren't as many girls who happen to do it, or is it because it's not welcoming to girls? Is it because they're not invited? I I can honestly say the comedy things that I've been to in Belfast, I know different people. I know people have friendship groups. If I was going to a gig and it was like, ask someone to perform with you. And I had a friend who's a really good comedian who, whether they're a boy or a girl, I would say to them, come perform with me. So I'm sure that there's lots of 
nights that people perform at where they bring their friends. And if it's a boy, it's quite likely the friends are going to be boys. But I have not ever been to any comedy thing in Belfast where every single boy at it hasn't been an absolute dote. So yeah. I haven't. So I'm sure I'm sure people have had the experience where they don't feel welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's very hard for me because I haven't experienced that yet. Now I've definitely noticed that. Wow, I'm the only woman here. Okay. But I haven't really, you know, experienced any kind of reason for that. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think sometimes I will go to things and there'll be a panel that's all guys, and and I don't know if people think, well, we don't need to get a woman because we've already fulfilled that by having a host who's a woman. But I do think like if the topic's like computers or something, I'm like, you seriously can't find a woman who knows anything about computers. So that maybe frustrates me a little bit because I just think that's silly. I definitely think it's important for representation. Um, But that's what I mean. I don't really know what the crux of the issue is here because, I mean, I I don't know if, if people aren't invited to things on the basis of, of whether one, I do think it's really important for representation. Mm. I, I, I specifically haven't had an issue or noticed an issue. Um, I'm sure other people have sometimes at conferences. Yes. I wish to maybe, you know, put another woman or two on the panel because they're an incredible woman that, I mean, even sometimes when there aren't women there, I'm like, I could think of at least five or 10 women. You could have, you could have put there. Do you know what I mean? Um, because I'm not on in because I feel like I'm not really part of the comedy scene in a way, I feel like I can't be like, we well, should have picked this girl, you should pick this girl, you should pick this. Because I actually don't know that many examples of okay. people. Yeah. In the in the same way that I don't know all the boys that well. Um all I know is that any time that I've been in anything that and it is usually boys, they've been very welcoming. If I've been in a few things and it's girls, they've been very welcoming. I do wish at everything there were more people that were like me or the people who are like me will see me and be like, oh, it's okay. You know, yes, it'd be a woman. But I mean, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm kind of so alternative and, and neutral and everything anyway that I assume that's not really the first thing people think whenever they see me. So, you know, I kind of think that I hope that people see, you know, oh, you don't have to look a certain way to do this or yeah, so you can be a girl or you could be gay or you could be different or you could be, you know, you don't have to look exactly like whoever the, the guy is who stands up and hosts every every kind of gig and things. So I do think um, that is important, but also also in science, you know, I do like if I've ever done anything and there's kind of, if it's for older age school girls where they're kind of being encouraged, you know, I did a great conference a couple of weeks ago that I hosted for bring it on which is this great Belfast men initiative which is kind of um getting people into IT but encouraging women and things and I think it's good just to have someone to be there and be like you can kind of be whoever you are and and pursue what you know what whatever you want to do because a lot of people didn't I mean I, I couldn't name I would find it really difficult apart from Victoria Wood to name a comedian who happened to be a woman that that I remember whenever I was younger, definitely not anybody local, do you yeah. know? Um, so, so, so I, I do, I do think it's good. I don't think it's always just specific to, to gender because I'm sure like, like one of my friends has, has a, has a little boy um, who I see a lot of myself in and I'm like, well, I, I, I would like to think that he would maybe see, oh, we're quite alike. So maybe I could do that, do you know? So I don't think it's always, 
um, specific to gender, but yeah, I do think no matter what kind of area you're in, it's quite good just to have kind of everyone on an even case so you you have something to look up to. And I, I do believe that whole if you can't be it, you can't um, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Like I really, really believe in that. No matter if it's kind of comedy or science or or, or sports, you know, like or football, the Northern Women's football team doing so well, you know, a um, couple of weeks ago getting into the Euros, like I'm, I love football and I play football and I just thought that's going to be a whole new generation now. They're going to have got in to be like, you know, she looks cool playing football. Totally. Yeah. So I do, I do think it's, I do think it's important. Yeah. Perfectly. Perfectly. Um, well, look, we've one more question before we go into a spitfire, very quick because <laughs> I realized that we have, like I said, kept you very long. You're totally fine. It's a pandemic. This is my socialized opportunity. It's great. <laughs> well, well, speaking of pandemic, how's the head been over the past while? I've been probably this probably the 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 latter stages. I've been finding much harder. I mean, see, at the start, actually, the start of lockdown, I was probably already struggling a little bit because the the January of lockdown, I had a really bad um, ankle injury at football, and I couldn't drive and. I couldn't work and I was on crutches for a long time and I felt like I couldn't really do much. Um, and that was really foreign to me and always needing help and always need someone to lift me if I needed something. So I was kind of feeling like I was already on this little downward spiral. Um, and then as that, as I started to be able to walk, lockdown happened. And then I was just like, this is horrendous. But I feel like I had kind of got into the way of it so I feel like I had to practice before we all went into lockdown like I was kind of so by the time everyone was like can't stand it I hate it I was like I've done this for months already like it's easy it's totally fine and then I was all right about it and I kind of I am not I'm probably not as extroverted as you two I mean like I love being friendly I do like chatting to people and all this um, but I can be I can be quite shy and like I always say to people like I'm I'm very different on stage to how I am off stage like on stage I'm very much a character because even if I was just at a party with people like you would be unless I was absolutely statement like you'd be really hard pushed to get me to perform even if it's just your friends like that's kind of my idea of hell and I, I am a bit of an introvert so yeah. I was okay like <laughs> with it for quite a while because I was like great you get a break you don't need to talk anymore you don't need to do this but then as it went on and you know particularly as I was like right what am I actually going to do about work and all my gigs are cancelled and you know I would go to I, I love playing football playing with my team and all that and I think that's really good for your head I was like you know that suddenly I'm, 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 I'm that that hiatus that I had from my ankles being extended further because uh because of lockdown and I started to find it more difficult but maybe about three months ago I just had this thing where I was like oh god this is really like this is really awful and I'd never felt that before and I don't know if it was because we started to talk about things going back to normal and it was this kind of anxiety of actually you know now you have to come back out of your shell and now you have to um and you didn't like you were no longer going to have the safety of talking to people through your screen which I think is quite comfortable for me um so (laughs) it's maybe slightly slightly opposite to you guys so probably in the last few months I have found it difficult and like I said before like I would get quite a bit of stage fright and things like that and and I found I've started to do events again that are in studios but there's no audience, but there's a team and me and all the cameras. And 
So I've started to have stage fright about that where I would have been probably okay-ish before, but I think it's the coming out of lockdown. So it's like we're all on this weird recalibration thing, which I think is making some people who maybe might be quite like me just a little bit kind of anxious at the prospect of we've had this year in hiding and now we have to kind of go back to normal. So yeah, it it has been hard at times, but um, I've been kind of a mix of grand 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 oh god and now i'm at the i think i'm grand again do you know so kind of kind of on that on that weird scale but i think um you know if you weren't struggling at any point in it that's great that's really good but i think the majority of people will have had like a big big dip at some point and you know yeah yeah so so that's obviously that's hard yeah yeah totally totally yeah that the start of the year like was like very much like this shit's still going on and mm-hmm. you know it was like yeah it was definitely in the darker evenings and all it was tight going because i was totally the same at the start i was like this is late though hang on a second mm-hmm. and nobody's going to come near me go away <laughs> we have kept you a long time we are going to now throw <laughs> at you some very quick fire questions just yes. for just for a little bit of fun um, now the first question excuse me you're going to have to answer something before you take a eat my three of water here so just how, how your heart <laughs> So the first question we always ask is if you were a drink, alcohol, or otherwise, what would you be? And we use the example of Jack Donnelly here it would be a pint of Guinness because because he's an acquired taste and people pretend they like him. Right? <laughs> Which is a bit <laughs> cruel. You know? I know, I know. Can you believe somebody you know, pretending to like me? A close second came from Susie Blue. Who yeah, we had on a few weeks ago. What did Susie say? She says I'm with Americans or something. Oh, all the Americans want to give them a go. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't actually like it, but they just want to do it for posterity, you know? They just want to try it out. Just, yeah, just, to, you know, just to see what it, just so they can tell their friends at home. You know? <laughs> so yeah. if, if, if you were a drink, like I said, alcohol or otherwise, or anything at all in the world, what would you be? I'll go for my favorite drink uh, in the world, which is milk. Um, full se- fat or semi Okay, okay. Full fat or semi skimmed? Semi skimmed. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, actually, my preference is skimmed. Honestly, quenches your thirst better. Um, but yes, but but hardly anyone ever has it. So yeah, semi skimmed. I I don't like the uh, don't like the blue one. Um, but why? See, I I love milk. I'm a big milk fan. But I think milk makes you feel better no matter like if you're hungover, it makes you feel better. Drink glass of milk. If you're hungry, drink a glass of milk. If you feel sick, we glass of milk. You know, if you're at your mommy's house, we glass of milk. No matter what. So milk because for me no matter what situation kind of makes you feel better so and it's delicious obviously yeah, yeah, so yeah. those are the similarities between myself and milk so yeah go for that one yeah. <laughs> uh question two if you could have any superpower at all what would it be and what would you do with it these are really hard these are harder than the actual questions <laughs> um if i had any superpower what would it be would i like a superpower Oh, that's an interesting snap of the She says, oh. would I even like a superpower? Mm. Would I even? See, I wouldn't like to be invisible because I think that's quite creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jack's like, that's mine. All day. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> not, not the invisible, that's not for me. Um, <laughs> would I like to be, maybe to be super fast or super smart? Um, We're already super smart. What are you talking about? 
You must be All right. we'll just take up. that take that one down. Um, <laughs> I fit su- super fit. Can I have that super fit? Okay. Yeah. 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 Super yeah. super fit because like I and I think that's a good one because. I've always I'm sporty. I've always been sporty. I've never been super fit. So I would like to I would like to have that super power because I I think that's a, I think that's a good one. You know, being Olympian. Um. Okay. One uh, another question. Uh, if you were to date anyone in the world or take somebody sorry on a date, anybody in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Oh my god, this is so hard. I have this. I I don't know if you guys have this. I have this thing where I always am like, why are people so obsessed with celebrities? Like I don't really fancy any celebrities. Um, yeah. Oh well, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say like a stranger or something because that'd be weirder than saying celebrity. Yeah, your man from the coffee shop across the road. Um, <laughs> probably. Do you know what celebrity I really like? Who's that? Uh, I, I actually think I love a little bit Meryl Streep. Like okay. she is just like she is. I just she is so smart. She is so funny. I think she's beautiful. Um, I think, and she's not dead. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, great. Um, uh, so I think I would go for Meryl Streep. I think she would be really, 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 really interesting. Yeah, I loved her in The Devil Wears Prada. Um, oh, me too. That's 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 what I so, actually found. I love with her. She is so so good. I that is one of the best satirical films, and I know it's meant to be cheesy, but I just I just think that movie oh, is genius. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, her okay, her and the Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm gonna go for. Okay, <laughs> uh, Miranda Priest, Miranda Priestley, I think you call her. That shows how much I love the Devil Wears. Oh yes, Miranda Priestley, that is so true. <laughs> oh, sorry, anyway, tagging on a tagging on a bonus question. Where would you take Meryl on your date? <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna to have to think about this in case it actually happens. Um, <laughs> you never know. Where would I? I'll take her. Well, I won't take her anywhere Strabane because it would be like Asda or McDonald's. So I'll bring her to Belfast. What's a good date in Belfast? Can't take her anywhere at the minute because it's all closed. What's a really nice food place in Belfast? Belgium. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't like Belgium. I Belgium once and did not like it. Um, well, I would actually like to go somewhere where we could talk. I mean, I don't, I don't get why people go on dates to the cinema because then I think you must not have much chat. Yeah, um, I agree. So dinner, but somewhere quiet so that I can hear. Uh, so just somewhere nice in Belfast. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think where I like in Belfast. Like, where am I looking forward to? It's been, so everything. It's, it's been so long. We do, you know, do you know what? Do you know where I really like, actually? Do you know um, the treehouse in Belfast? They yeah. do like upstairs, like they do these movie nights and like it's all open and it's very pretty and they bring out like little tapas and stuff like that. But it's, you can talk. Yeah. Um, I'll bring it there. Meryl would love that. Meryl would, I, yeah, Meryl would love that. She, <laughs> Meryl, would be, Meryl would be like, this is a classy gal. This is exactly what I expected. I must fall in love immediately. So yes, that's where I'm going to bring her to the treehouse. So treehouse me get your bookings open and reserve myself for Meryl at the table. Okay. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> treehouse, are you listening up, lads? <laughs> I know. Hashtag free tickets. Um, yeah. So the penultimate one. Uh, this was highly contentious a few weeks back, and it has now been added to the rap before. <laughs> um, talk us through your perfect crisp sandwich, the bread, the flavor of the crisp, etc. Yeah, this is my question. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> go. No, I feel like my choices. My I'm a, I'm an incredibly picky eater. Okay. Um, Jack. But a, oh. a, crisp, a crisp sandwich would be my preference for breakfast lunch and dinner and 
either a white bap or I know that's obviously a little bit um, left field, mm-hmm. uh, a white bap or white bread. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll take yeah, all good. Take the butter, have the butter, have the butter, yeah. nice golden yeah. cow. Um, and then my preference is either. And it's not going to be tato cheese and onions, so I hope you aren't disappointed. So, no, that's the traditional. No, okay, that's the traditional. I, I do like it. Okay, I do like. Sean doesn't I like it. I, I would eat. I would eat it. I would eat it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a. I'm not an animal. I'm not going to it. <laughs> but my preference would be either red Doritos, which is beautiful in a sandwich, or red Monster Munch. No. Those are my favorites. Now, if you haven't had them, honestly, uh, those are my two favorite. I think I love Chris. Those are my two favorite Chris anyway, but. I would try them. They're really, really beautiful. Mm, don't knock it till you try it, says you. The Monster mm. Munch, no, the Red no, Munch. Se- seriously, the red, and the red Monster Munch is good. Like, it's really, really good. The Doritos, I feel, is a bit more traditional. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but I know people like to go for, like, Tino Cheese Onion, Tino Something Like here, like, all those ones. Yeah, yeah. I just say, Next have a little, you know, try something different. <laughs> Love it. Big, big Sonic. Those are my favorites. Um I also do like a biker sandwich. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm kind of, I'm more of a corn snack than a crisp, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I do like, yeah, yeah, I do like the, the corn snacks. Anything that's a corn snack, crisps are, you know, not my not my preference. Okay. So seriously, go home go home tonight and have one of those. I'm going to have enough for dinner. I'm actually just thinking about that. I haven't eaten dinner today and there's no dinner for me at the house because I'm the one making Seriously? Dinner. Yeah, so that might be. Ha- have it. <laughs> it's really good. It's really nice, yeah. Love it. <laughs> big, big pipe, big Pint of milk, obviously. Standard, standard. We have one more. Do we have one more? If everything was to- oh, yeah, sorry, yes. If everything was to, you know, lockdown was to, COVID was to fuck off and everything was to be just back to normal, what would be the first thing you'd do? Hmm. That's a hard question. I feel like I'm very low-key. Like, I mean, I don't do it. Like, I don't do anything fancy. I'd be really happy to go to Nando's and then go to the cinema and get a large popcorn. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, yeah like that, that would be totally, that would be what, that would be what I would be, uh, I'd be very into. I am looking forward to going holidays again. Like, yeah. I really, I really, really would love to go on holidays somewhere really interesting. You know, usually, you know, before covid like i was going quite a few places for work to do talks and stuff but then staying a little bit longer and going to you know places like warsaw or you know wherever i was going and getting to explore places that i would never be otherwise so a little bit of holiday type exploring as well um so yeah maybe book a holiday uh and a little kind of nando's and cinema due of a saturday evening High standards, high standards. Uh, if you want to catch up with me, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Fantastic. Well, I think that's us essentially wrapped up after keeping you the entire evening. Um, <laughs> I suppose before we knock off, um, I know you're playing obviously, you have your podcast coming up at some stage soon. You're playing the Ulster Hall in October 16th, yes, mm-hmm. yep, 16th of October. And where can people find you online or anything else you're working on or tickets and all such things? Plug, plug, plug. Totally. Um, definitely get tickets. Uh, you'll get them You get them on Ticketmaster or on, on Ulster Hall on their website as well. So the show's called Emer Maguire and Her Element and it's, it's kind of a brand new show. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also terrified nobody's going to come. So come to that. <laughs> uh, and otherwise you'll find me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on everything. I'm Emer Maguire on Facebook. E-M-E-R, very important because no one ever spells it right. Um, and kind of I'm on... I'm on 
Instagram as well. I nearly said Insta there, nearly embarrassed myself. Um, <laughs> at, at Emer McGuire official, then at Emer M official on Twitter as well. So you literally, literally find me everywhere. No problem. Go and watch Emer masterfully spin her various, various plates. Indeed. indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Just videos of me doing that. Uh, yeah. Oh, all, I meant literally. All, yeah. all, all my channels sit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, Emer, thank you very, very much for coming on to the You Ain't Heard Nothing Yet podcast. For anybody that is a new listener, you can go and find us on Facebook at You Ain't Heard Nothing Yet. You can go and find us on Instagram at Yanni, uh, the initials of You Ain't Heard Nothing Yet. And of course, wherever you're listening on us now, continue to listen, or you can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts as well. So it's been a long evening, excuse. Um, and it's been a very, very it's good, fantastic it's been a fantastic chat. Um, Emer, like I said again, very much appreciated and thank you very, very much. Everybody, thank you very, very much for listening because you've been listening to... You ain't heard nothing yet.